0: With Loop Panel, because we realize that all these conversations have gone digital for the first time, we actually plug directly into the products you're using to speak to your customers. So we integrate directly with Zoom. We help you record, transcribe, and even bookmark those key moments. So say in this conversation, I say something that really stands out to you. You can actually just star or bookmark that moment right here and bring all that data to one place where it's stored, it can be analyzed, and also
1: tied to the question you set out to answer. Hi, welcome to Forbes India's The Daily Tech Conversation, where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs, and investors from around the world whose work has a bearing on India. I'm Hari and my guest today is Kritika Oberoi, co-founder and CEO at Loop Panel, a young startup that wants to ensure that user experience researchers never miss a single piece of important feedback that could go into making their products better. Kritika is also part of the first cohort of women founders in Sequoia Capital's Spark program. In this episode, she talks about her own experience that led to Loop Panel, some early success and plans ahead. Kritika, welcome to this podcast. Uh, thank you so much for making time for this. Maybe we could start with a brief backgrounder about your work leading up to the starting of Loop and how you got the idea for Loop, and we'll go from there.
0: Okay, Um, Loop Panel helps companies painlessly uncover user insights and build the right products for their customers. Specifically, we help product managers and designers. So these are the folks that, when they talk to customers, so they're talking to customers all the time, showing them prototypes, asking them about their biggest challenges. And we help them convert all those conversations. Think tens or hundreds of hours of recordings, transcripts, notes into an answer. Something like, you know, 60% of our potential customers don't know how to place an order on our app. And so they end up going to a competitor's website instead. And so we're really helping those product managers and designers build the right products that meet your needs. On that note, I actually wanted to answer your previous question. You'd asked a little bit about you know, where did Loop Panel come from? How did we get started on it? To answer that question, I'll actually take you back a couple of years. Before Akash, that's my co-founder, and I started Loop Panel, we were actually working at a data startup called Atlin. At that time, we were part of a fairly core team thinking about fundamental questions affecting the business. It was literally, what are we building? Who is it for? How do we sell it to them? Now, there are two ways that you can approach these kinds of questions. Number one is to make a set of assumptions. Build your product based on that and then see how your customers respond. This tends to be a fairly expensive approach because what you essentially end up doing is spending months of engineering, product design, resources, building out a feature or a product and you don't actually know if your customers want it. What if one of your core assumptions is wrong? Basically, what you're doing is guessing here. And let me tell you, the accuracy rates of those guesses is not very good. In fact, there was a Pendo report that recently came out that showed that 80% of the time, product features that are being built by these teams are rarely or never used by customers. Meaning you're wasting 80% of your time, energy, effort, building something nobody cares about. The other approach that you can take is to test your assumptions and your prototypes before you write a line of code. And the easiest way to do that is by talking to your customers. At Atlin, we took this approach. We were talking to hundreds of potential customers and asking them, you know, what is your current solution? What works about it? What doesn't? Who makes a buying decision? How do they decide? And at the end of that exercise, instead of having an answer, We had 150 hours of recordings, 1,200 pages of call transcripts and notes, and it was my job to sift through all of that raw data and figure out what it actually means. Naturally, I ended up in Excel manually cataloging what every customer was saying just so we could get that answer, that insight. And that's really when, that's sort of what led us to Loop Panel. Akash and I stepped back and we said, okay, there's a couple of things happening here. Number one, the world has fundamentally changed in how we approach our expectations to products, right? If I today, or correct me if I'm wrong and and you think about this differently, but if I download an app and I go on a website and I don't immediately understand how it will solve my problems, if I can't sign up and start getting value immediately, I leave within 15 seconds. And so the bar is incredibly high to build products and messaging that resonates deeply with your customers and solves their needs. The second thing is that the answers are there. There's a treasure trove of this data in our user conversations. But especially in the post-COVID world with our Zoom recordings, our transcripts, and notes, it is so painful, time-consuming, and hard to actually convert all of that information into an insight. And so that is how we came to Loop panel. We decided we wanted to build a way for product and design teams to go from those user conversations to actionable, shareable insights to answers within minutes. And we really helped them test their assumptions and their prototypes before a single line of code is written. We're saving companies billions of dollars in what would otherwise be wasted development. But more importantly, we want to help customers get the products and the solutions they actually want.
1: Fair enough. Tell us a bit about the company as well. I mean, give us a snapshot. Uh, When did you start Loop? Uh, Where's the company based? How many folks are you right now? You raised any funding? I think you recently had an announcement around that. So tell us a bit about all of that.
0: Sure, absolutely. I think we're actually in one of the most exciting phases of building the company. Um, so as a team, we're a core team of product design, engineering, and go-to-market, and we're working extremely closely with our early access customers. There are customer-obsessed teams like PandaDoc, Grow-Ins, HeadOut. A lot of our customers are actually based in the US and EU, which are our target markets. And we're able to work very closely with them, iterate on the product, on you know the content that we put out based on their feedback. The next few quarters for us as a team are super crucial as we set about basically our vision is to reinvent what product development looks like and build out our core content and go-to-market strategy. Like you mentioned, we recently raised a million dollars in our pre-seed round to help us do that, to bring that core team together. And so we're currently even hiring a product designer and a content uh, person to help us supercharge our approach to that.
1: Talking to uh, product builders, I've uh, picked up yeah. some of the jargon, you know, like minimum viable product and and also minimum lovable product and whatnot. <laughs> so uh, so where's Loop Panel at on that uh, curve?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So like you said, MVP, minimum viable products, we're, we're definitely a few months out of that, a few, um, you know, quarters away. We've already built out and iterated on that a number of times. We are on our journey towards product market fit. So another jargon term for you. Product market fit, of course, being when your product is so loved by your customers that you're almost having them pull um, and demand is growing very, very quickly. And that's really what we have our eye on at the moment. Every product experiment we run, every time we're building out our distribution and go to market strategy, it's with that goal and that uh, sort of aim in mind. And that's kind of why I was mentioning the next few quarters being super crucial for us because we are rapidly iterating on all of those pieces, building out what you know we think the future of what this is called is user research what we think the future of user research of product development of design looks like
1: mm. so so explain loop panel a little bit more yeah if you could now apply loop panel to all that data that you had to manually work with on an excel sheet at atlan yeah how would loop panel make a difference
0: Absolutely. That's a great question. Number one, I think what we realized, and maybe I'll draw or paint a picture quickly of, you know, what was that experience actually like? So when we were doing, for example, that 150 user calls at Atlin, it was, you know, right around the time that COVID was hitting. So just like we are right now, all of our conversations had moved to Zoom, moved to Google Meets. We were recording all of these. So we would have recordings in one place. We started taking out transcripts and we had our notes in a Google Doc. And then I would end up sifting through all of that data in my Excel and manually cataloging what every single user was saying. With Loop Panel, because we realized that all these conversations have gone digital for the first time, we actually plug directly into the products you're using to speak to your customers. So we integrate directly with Zoom. We help you request. Core, transcribe, and even bookmark those key moments. So say in this conversation, I say something that really stands out to you. You can actually just star or bookmark that moment right here and bring all that data to one place where it's stored. It can be analyzed and also tied to the question you set out to answer. So now when I run, say, 10 or 20 or 50 customer calls and I ask people, you know, how much does, for example, a problem you're trying to solve, how much does that cost you today? I can step away from that and say, look, guys, and talk to our team and say, you know, costs our customers an average of, say, $10,000 to not solve this problem and be able to share that insight, even with the form of, you know, video clip in the voice of our user at the click of a button using Loop Panel. And so that's really the transformation we're bringing about is streamlining that process and speeding it up so you can get to shareable insights in minutes.
1: Hmm. So, yeah, I noticed that uh, transcription or maybe as you go along increasing, increasingly what folks like to call smart transcription, mm-hmm. w- w- it's pretty much uh, an important part of loop panel. Uh, I was just thinking, I mean, to a layperson like me, if I Googled transcription software, there would be quite mm-hmm. a few products today available. Um, yeah. w- what are some of the features? Uh, and I know you mentioned a few of those, uh, like uh, being able to, Uh, bookmark on the go and things like that. So talk us through that a little bit more. What are some of the features, use cases that make Loop Panel stand out?
0: Absolutely. and I think that's a great question. You're absolutely right that, for example, that availability of transcripts is something that has really proliferated in the last few years, um, especially. And the way that we actually think about it is that transcript is important, right? You want to have that raw source of data so I can always go back to it. But at the end of the day, if you're a product manager or designer, the reality is that you're running against time to make decisions. These are very time crunched and high pressure jobs. So even if you think about your own job, in fact, as a journalist, you're talking to so many people, you're interviewing, you know, let's say tens of people in a week, recording all these conversations. These teams often don't have the time to sit and reread or rewatch Tens of hours of recordings, hundreds of pages of transcripts. Our goal is very much to streamline that. How can I skip through that to get to the answer as quickly as possible? And there are a couple of ways we do that in terms of features, right? Number one is we actually bring in, like I said earlier, during the conversation itself, the ability to take those timestamped notes, bookmark a key moment, tie those to my recordings and my transcripts after the fact so that I can always interpret that with the right context. There's always things that are only in human context, right? There's There's some things that only I know because of a previous conversation or data that I may have seen before. And so we allow you to You know, be able to bookmark that in the moment and be able to use that and resurface that exact, you know, 12 minutes and 13 seconds, something really cool happened or the user was rage clicking, really, uh, you know, frustrated by my prototype. The second thing is there are places where, you know, artificial intelligence can play a strong role. And this is where actually Akash, my co-founder's expertise, also plays a really big role. He's currently writing a book on large-scale machine learning. And so what we're also able to do is leverage that. So when we have our transcripts, to your point exactly, they're actually intelligent transcripts. We automatically detect, we parse them for you and pull out the key questions you were looking to answer. Where were the emotional reactions of your users? Where were they... You know, really frustrated by something and talking about one of their biggest challenges that would be super valuable for you to solve. When were they delighted by something that you've built that you want to make sure you're retaining and building on in the future? And those are the things that we do in terms of getting you to that insight as quickly as possible. The second part of Loop Panel that people love is actually that shareability. So often, what's happening is that you know these decisions are being taken by a product manager, designer, engineer in conjunction. Or maybe you need to send something to your boss to say, hey, this is why I need a decision. Or to you know the engineer working on the feature saying, this is why we need to change the you know layout of the screen. The users didn't understand the way that it's set up today. And how do you communicate that effectively? Today, what happens is you're communicating an opinion. You're saying, I've feel we should change it to this design because XYZ. What loop panel lets you do is actually create bite-sized clippings from those conversations. So that when that engineer looks at a Jira ticket, when they're looking at, you know, the change you're making to a design or a product feature, your boss is asking you why you need two more weeks to change the design, you can show that evidence in the user's voice, explaining themselves why the product doesn't work for them today. And how it would be so much faster and easier for your team to build the right product the first time around.
1: In your mind, who are the people who should definitely consider using Loop Panel? And uh, maybe you can compare that with uh, the actual early users who have been using Loop Panel already. And, and yeah. if there are any interesting takeaways from that, maybe you could talk about that.
0: Yeah, um, in terms of users, like I mentioned, our core you know, target group that we're building for are those product teams, those design teams that make all these decisions about every app, every website that we're using on a daily basis. Now, because all of their decisions and assumptions play such a big role on whether, you know, the product is actually solving the end user's customer uh, problem, sorry, um, we really, that is the core target market where um, we see a really big need that is completely unmet. Related to that is product marketers or even company founders, strategic decision makers, everyone who needs to make decisions based on customer insight cares about the problem that we're solving. And we already see that in our early access customers. So it's actually a pretty good fit in terms of the folks already using the product are a very good fit for who we expect to find the most value from it. Um, there was a second question you'd asked, but I have now forgotten
1: what it was. No, no, no problem. So I was just saying, maybe you can contrast uh, what you had in mind, you and Akash, in terms of the target users. Uh, contrast it with the people who you actually are seeing use, uh, uh, you know, Loop Panel amongst your early customers. Yeah.
0: So I will say that's where I feel we actually do have a fairly good mapping to what we expected because we started by doing our own research around this as well, right? Even Mm -hmm. before we started Loop Panel, we actually had a completely different product and problem area that we were looking to solve. We spent Mm -hmm. a month talking to those customers, again, tens and hundreds of folks understanding if our assumptions about them were correct and it turned out they were not. (laughs) And so we were able to pivot very quickly. And, you know, we knew this, for example, this problem about user conversations, getting to those customer insights was real. So then we started the exercise here and we started asking people, do you care about this? How do you approach it? And so that allowed us to test those assumptions even before we built things. And so we were fairly clear on who those target personas were and who those target users were, who we felt would get the most value out of our customers. And we have actually seen that play out fairly well with our existing uh, early access customers. So that was an assumption we tested fairly early on ourselves.
1: Let's talk about something that you mentioned earlier on uh, about how uh, most folks end up not using most of the features in the software products that they have. Walk us through that. Uh, If 80% of the features that software product uh, companies that are building and not being used. Yeah. And uh, you sent me a report from this company called Pendo when we were planning this episode, which came up with this data point. Tell us about what you've been doing at Loop uh, with that insight in mind.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And actually, I think there are, you know, some contextual elements to this as well in terms of things that have shifted in the ecosystem that I think would help explain why that's the case. Um, Just to answer your first question, first on Pendo itself, it is a product analytics company. What that means is that they help, you know, any of these products that we use, Uber, Amazon, like I said, they track or they help companies track what are customers clicking on, when do they use the product, when do they not. So actually all that data about what customers are doing on a product is pretty well captured. So today even we do, but every company pretty much knows anonymized data, of course, but knows what their users are using on the product, what they're not. And so you're able to get that feedback on which features are most useful to my customers, what kind of customers, you know, like which kind of parts of the product. That's what Pendo helps you do. It helps you answer what's going on in the product itself. Now, the interesting context that I think would be helpful just to give, get a sense of, you know, the ecosystem and where it's been going. If you go back a couple of decades in product development, I'm thinking, you know, like before we had um, all these Uber, Ola's et cetera, of the world. Um, if you think back to the days of, you know, dial-up internet or or. Uh, even shortly after that, the main way that companies were accessing, or even people were accessing software before even the mobile revolution, all of these things, was through salespeople, right? So if a company wanted to buy software, you would talk to their CIO, somebody in the C suite, and say, okay, a thousand people in my company. Are you know, let's say, marketing people, or let's say the the IT team or the engineering team, and we need a software to solve X purpose. That buyer would buy a product based on their criteria, things like you know maybe security, etc. And if it was if the software was broadly meeting the needs, so the functional needs, it would be purchased for the company and the team would start using it top down. What has changed in the last few years? is that the way we buy software has completely changed because now in our personal lives, we are downloading apps every day. Everything is, you know, Google Maps to, to Amazoning products, to Swiggy, to the way that we consume and our expectations of products has a number one changed very, very fundamentally. And so we have a very high bar now on software that's solving our needs and meeting our needs. The second thing that's happened is even in companies, the person buying the software is no longer necessarily the CXO. What's happened is that like you noticed with, I'm sure you do this as well with things like Calendly or, um, you know, uh, let's say uh, any app that I can just pick up and start using myself. So Figma is a really good example. Zoom, you can very often just buy a license yourself and start using the software you want that fundamentally shifted something. What that means is that there was earlier a gap between what the CXO thought was important and what the end user, what that actual marketing analyst or um, the engineer actually using the software thought was important. Today, the software that even a business is buying The experience matters, the ease to get to value matters, which it previously didn't. And so those those are some of the ecosystem changes and the buzzwords, I guess, associated with it is we've gone from a model that used to be sales led, where the salesperson was the one closing the lead uh, or closing the deal to product led, where I pick up and I Google and I find Calendly, I start using it or Miro, let's say, I start using it and as I Start using it, I start loving the product and I buy a subscription myself. Or I talk to my boss and say, Hey, can we buy a subscription? Famously, Slack is one of the companies that really expanded and first did you know this different kind of approach. But today that's actually how software is being sold across the world. And what it means is that what we're building with Loop Panel, that you know, that gap between what what you're building and who you're building it for, you really need to understand your customers at a very different level than ever before um, because you're selling to the person um, that's actually using the product in their daily lives. Um, and yeah, I think one great example for that is like the Cisco versus Zoom uh, experience, right? Like <laughs> the person buying Cisco wasn't necessarily the person who had to figure out how to use it. And I think we've all had our experiences of being like, I'm not sure how, for example, to set up a WebEx software, but Zoom is something that you can pick up immediately or Google Meets. It doesn't really have that much of a learning curve uh, because it's really important for, you know, anybody in a company, small, big, large, be able to pick up that software and start using it on their own.
1: So uh, on the flip side, um, in your own company's uh, customer onboarding process, uh, you can tell us about what are some of the ways in which you're making it easy for your customers to take full advantages of all the features that you're already offering on Loop Panel.
0: Yeah, so I think there's actually a bunch of things that we do. Um, so today, in fact, because we're working so closely with our early access customers, we personally onboard each of them. So I make sure that all of our customers know how to use the product, answer their questions, get their feedback, so that we're staying very, very close to them. In terms of even just making sure that we're streamlining the product as much as possible, again, what we're doing is we're being very, very careful about what we build and how we build it. So everything that we put into the product is first tested as a prototype with our users, their feedback changes often very drastically what we end up putting out. So for example, um, two weeks ago, our team had brainstormed and come up with what we thought was an incredible idea uh, for saving our customers time in this process. And we thought, you know, they'll absolutely love this. So we built out prototypes and we started showing them to our customers and getting their feedback before we'd written a line of code. And it was definitely not a feature that they absolutely needed. And we got that insight within two days. We were able to save something like three weeks of time and effort, um, which we would have otherwise spent building something out and then removing that feature because no one wanted it just because we were testing it. So we have a very streamlined approach in what we put into the product so that it is something that can be easily picked up by the audience. Similarly, what we're also doing is embedding a layer of education, teaching our users not just about Loop Panel, but actually about you know, what is the best set of questions I should ask my customers when I'm talking to them? Um, How should I analyze data effectively? How should I share my findings with my team? Um, We actually embed that not just in the product, but also in our go-to-market approach, making sure we're helping teams build better products regardless of if they're using loop panel today and so really that's very much our approach is to make sure things are super streamlined make sure we're always giving value first and we're helping people build better products even before they you know start using loop panel themselves
1: mm. i know it's uh, early days but uh, any uh, anecdotes uh, or any examples that come to your mind from what your customers have told you about uh, anything uh, specific you know that we can highlight in the way that Loop Panel has already helped uh, your customers?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, one of my favorite quotes we had—we were talking to one of our customers uh, who's the UX team lead at PandaDoc. Um, so he runs a team that really focuses on making sure that their company is very close to their customers and constantly talking to users and testing out all of these ideas and concepts and. When we asked him about his experience with Loop Panel, he's had a very great uh, sort of, I don't know what to call it, quote or an anecdote. He sort of said, you know, it was so easy for my team to pick up your product and to start using it. And it streamlined our process so much. It made it so much faster and easier for us to not just get to that answer. But also that shareability part is, I think, something that our teams and our customers absolutely love. Another one of our customers... And this one is not a a company that I'm at liberty to share the name, but a fairly large tech company based in the US. Um, her, uh, she also was a customer who's using loop panel, you know every single time she was talking to the users to say, okay, what do you care about and and how is this working? And one of her favorite parts was really, you know, the ability to create those clips and to communicate to my product manager, to my, you know, my boss and say, guys, this is the insight that's coming straight from a customer. And you don't have to dive through 10 hours of recordings to find it. You just click a button and there's a 30 second clip that shows you that, You know, that frustration in the user's voice and and in their facial expressions, you're able to grasp that very quickly. I think those are some of our favorite anecdotes in terms of of what we've seen. Uh, One other one I will share. Before uh, the day actually we were announcing our fundraise, one of our customers, as I was putting out, you know, the press releases and things like that pinged me on Slack. He didn't yet know that, you know, we were going public with the news and he was like, I just have to tell you, I love your software. It makes my life so much easier. Um, And that is just one of the more recent moments of just feeling, feeling like you're actually building something that's making people's lives better and and gives us the energy and the, you know, the motivation to keep going in the good times and the bad.
1: Yeah, that's, I think also kind of gives me the opening that I wanted to ask you a bit more about your entrepreneurial experience. Tell mm-hmm. us a bit about that. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? And from Atlan to Loop, did that just sort of happen naturally? Or did yeah. you all pause and think about uh, the risks involved and so on? How did that, you know, take us through that a little bit?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I'll actually even start before Atlan. So I started my career in a fairly traditional way I guess. I, I was a strategy consultant for a company called Parthenon EY which and I was working actually across their New York and Singapore teams. So you know as a consultant you're working with some of the largest beauty manufacturers to manufacturers and distributors of tractors in Indonesia. I was literally across the scope and got to work with some really incredible and smart people but I think what made me take the plunge and I guess directionally move towards the startup ecosystem in general was that I was fairly introspective about how I was, you know, what I what I was feeling and how I was responding to different things. Even though the job was incredible, I got to work with, you know, the largest, like I mentioned, some of the largest companies, private equity funds across the world, traveled across and worked across four or five different countries across North America and Southeast Asia I knew that there was something missing in my personal drive and and enjoyment of what I was doing day to day. Mm. Basically, what I realized was that as a consultant, you're always a few steps away from the impact of what you're doing, right? You're working for someone who's working for someone and you don't really often get to see the results of your implementation. It's, it's, It's sort of almost separated um, or a couple steps away from the impact of what you're doing and I realized that that was something that I fundamentally missed and it was at least a hypothesis of mine and so at that point when I was looking for something new to do in life I actually purposely looked at tech companies where i could take on a more foundational role i spoke with a couple and actually ended up really loving the culture at atlin and the people and that's what drove me to pick that company in particular as well as i've always had an interest and excitement around data and so that that's what brought me to atlin in particular my role my first role at atlin was actually called the founder staff role so I could work directly with Prakalpa, one of the founders, on some of the key problems that were facing the company. So every quarter was different. I get, got to work on, you know, the early research around what should we be building to the first set of sales in the US and EU markets, closing, you know, healthcare, government contracts, um, to even setting up, you know, we were an enterprise company. So what should our engagements look like with, you know, companies like Gartner and how do we build that out and so basically every quarter I was getting a new problem we don't know how to solve go figure it out and that is when I realized that that's what I absolutely love I love facing challenges um, which are completely unknown figuring it out from scratch and just um, you know building incredible things seeing that impact building that team and that culture Um, and the point at which I left Atlin was actually once we'd solved a lot of those big problems when it went from figuring out a zero to one to figuring out how do we scale what we've already solved and that's when again I got that itch and I was like maybe I want to explore something different and Akash was also feeling a similar way and I think he had actually left a few months before me uh, and we started chatting as we were sort of looking at the transition, realized some of the common problems we had become aware of um, and started our own journey down that path. So it came from, you know, I think the more you experience, the more you know, but just always being introspective about what that experience is actually like like what drives me personally and that'll always be different of course for different people but just having that awareness and and using that to make the next bet on what I think I want to do and then taking the plunge Um, and luckily my assumptions have been actually quite on point so far
1: sounds good Uh, and and you're also among the first founders to be part of uh, Sequoia's spark program isn't it I mean in fact uh, that's that's how I uh, first found out about you, looking at you know the names of the founders that they had announced for this program.
0: Correct, correct. Yeah, we've been uh, fortunate to be part of that program. It's one of, um, it's a really incredible program in how it's been set up. So there are I think fifteen female founders that have been selected out of a fairly large cohort of applicants and absolutely incredible set of women to be in the company of and and get to see them build incredible things, but also learn through Sequoia's program. So they actually give us a number of resources. So outside of the the funding that you get through Sequoia, they also give us access to mentorship through, you know, uh, sessions that they do specifically to teach us about, you know, company building and everything about marketing to all the skills that you really need to learn as a founder And my favorite part is actually we get access to some of the best female founders who've done the journey already. So, my personal mentor is Ashwini Asokan, who, of course, from Mad Street Den, who I get to talk to every month and say, or even contact ad hoc if I have questions and say, This is the biggest question that I'm facing right now. How have you solved it? What do you think I should think about? Am I missing something? And that is an incredible resource to get access to and absolutely love the program it's been an incredible journey so far
1: okay um with your new funding um, over the next 12 odd months uh, 12 to 18 months what are your top priorities
0: yeah um that is a great question so like i mentioned the next few months are really essential for us and even the next few quarters And so what we are focused on is building out the core team. Those people that we truly believe are going to help us reimagine this product development ecosystem and process, bring them on board um, and build out not just the product, but the foundation of our go-to-market. So we really want to focus on building out content that is value added to our customers. How do we help them learn more about how to do these kinds of exercises, understand the users better and faster, um, and really building out the base of that. And so we're using the funding to build out the core team, specifically hiring for product design and content right now, um, and really also creating and expanding our presence in the US and EU. So we already have early access customers there, but how do we continue to develop that network and that base um, as we continue to grow the product as well?
1: Very interesting conversation, uh, Kritika, <laughs> and great first update for me on Loop. Thank you again for making time for this, and I definitely hope to keep the conversation going.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Hari. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and I do hope uh, we were able to explain Loop Panel's capabilities and some of these really exciting changes taking place, not just within our company, but within the ecosystem effectively. So, um, yeah, really loved speaking with you. So thank you for taking the time as well.
1: That's it for this conversation. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali. Thank you for listening.